Good morning. This podcast is brought to you by Rape Victims Are Horny 2, a new show from Dylan Adler and Kelly Bachman. It's a musical comedy show. It's very funny. I'm going to see it at the end of the month. So thank you very much uh, to that show for the sponsoring this podcast. And thanks to my mom for probably already tuning out from this episode already. A lot of words up top, huh? Um, thanks for listening. My name is Terrence Hartnett. Welcome to the podcast. This is Down by the River. I am in New York City and I'm interviewing New York people who I know. So that means a lot of comedians, but we're doing it. We're talking about non-comedy stuff as much as we can. So today's guest is Kelly Bachman. I met her doing comedy in Bushwick. She's in the Bushwick scene, but after I met her, a year or so after I met her, she went viral by, um confronting Harvey Weinstein at a comedy show. Harvey Weinstein had come to this comedy show that she's performing on, and um, she was a comedian on stage, and she had to say something about how Harvey Weinstein, just like, you know, post-me-to-Weinstein accusations. Like, he was a very famous man for very bad reasons at this point. And uh, so she confronted him from stage, and that was on the internet um, a lot. And uh, so she dealt with all of that. Um, all of that aftermath the fame the backlash you know whatever um so we talked about a lot of stuff and that came up she's already talked about that a lot on a lot of podcasts so i started not to try not to lean too heavily on that subject um we talked about comedy and her new you know her new show and how new york is going and the dating and you know fun life stuff um but yeah it's a super fun talk uh <laughs> check out her new show uh, Rape Victims Are Horny too, with a very talented Dylan Adler, an amazing comedian in his own right. Um, and enjoy my chat with Kelly. Take it away, Steve. Down, down, down by the river. Ooh. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Welcome good, to Terrence's podcast. Good day. Welcome. This is Kelly Bach. <laughs> this is so much like when you used to like uh, get your parents' tape recorder and be like, this is Terrence's show. I, yeah. Welcome I, to my show. I used oh, to yeah. do that. I, oh, had, yeah. I remember I had this uh, um, fake radio show I did with my friend where we would, um, we would imitate the, do you know the radio talk show host Delilah? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, Delilah. <laughs> And wasn't she very, she was very she deep. She's been talking like a very soothing yeah, voice and people would call and tell her about their life and then she would put on a song. But our bit was that we would have people call like fake Delilah and well, they would always be like different characters would call and like, um, they would always, it was like a lot of jokes about butt crack. <laughs> and they'd be like, uh, I remember they'd be like, I'm addicted. We had this one character that always called you and say, I'm addicted to crack. And then we'd be like, <laughs> what? And he'd be like, butt crack. <laughs> I love butt crack. So funny. And it was like a guy showing his butt, who loves to show his butt crack to people. Like, um, he's based on someone from our hometown. But, uh, so, but Deli the joke of the character Delilah is that, and I would play Delilah, is that no matter what people called her about, she would always put on the song I'm Real by Ja Rule and, and, <laughs> and Jennifer Lopez. 
<laughs> and we'd say like i have the perfect song for you <laughs> and we would literally like put it on and play the whole song the, i can't no, wait, no. no it's like i'm real the way you look ladies oh yeah I'm real, I'm real and i actually a lot of people think that's a shanti people say it's actually a shanti singing but like jennifer lopez jennifer lopez took the credit that's that's like a, a, a little inside uh, Ashanti. People, some people say that, but who, who knows? Okay, we don't know. Well, they said that they would like try to um, improve Jennifer's vocals by like adding Ashanti like layers. Okay, which is so it's I more or know. less Ashanti. It's Ashanti. I mean, it's this is you know this is production. like people are dissing Jennifer Lopez who's saying this obviously. So I don't know, but that's just the song we would put on. And it about that's a lot of good bits for a radio show. Yeah, we the were fact proud that of that. Crack butt crack. That's hilarious. And the, like the recurring bit of it's always the same. <laughs> it's not a romantic, not really a romantic song. It's like no, it's a romantic song between J Lo and Ja Rule, but it's not particularly sweet. Yeah, no, it, it and it's a lot of very sincere, sensitive stories, and then it's always Ja Rule, no matter what. <laughs> But uh, the really sad thing about all that is that I saved that tape and I, I had the tape. Like I found it in my memory box pretty recently oh. and I was like, oh, I got to listen to this. It's going to be hilarious. And then I put it on and I heard myself for like two seconds. And then young me, young myself, <laughs> recorded over this, like the song Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. Oh my God. I recorded over like the whole thing. Every time that song came on the radio, I was just like recording it. Oh, not you singing it. Just No, you know like how you could like put a tape in in your like yep. boombox and like if a great song comes on the radio, you record it to yep. like make a playlist. Yep. I was doing that to the song Christina Aguilera's Beautiful. I think so. we're the same age. I think we're probably the same age based on when that was that song is popular. And the use of cassette tapes, not for really for like listening to music, like you had CDs, but for fun recording stuff. Yeah. Self-recording stuff. Should we say how old we are at the same time? <coughs> One, two, three, three 29. 29. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> sorry. sorry. Close. <laughs> You're Close. very true for your age. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was in fifth grade. Uh, That's how old I was when I was doing the recordings. Okay. So, because I remember our big episode was after the fifth grade dance, which we had in the backyard, uh, or Wait. not backyard, like backyard of my school. What do you okay. call that? The field. The field, I guess. The, the like the playground, the yeah. football field, football I guess, field. or like yeah. the play field. I yeah. don't know, like where you would have field day. A lot we of would drama, have our school I'm dance. Sure. Very important. And I remember we like were like today on the show we're going to talk about the dance, <laughs> and we did this whole episode about how these. There was this like little gang of girls that came over to me and my friends and they told us that they had reinvented how to do the Macarena dance. What? I it was like they were I mean this is an audio thing so I don't know how to explain what they were doing but it was like little darts with their hands yeah. like instead of um, instead of like the open They were hand. trying to like make it more sexual I think. <laughs> more pokey. <laughs> more pokey. More about poking someone. But we were like this you can't just change a famous dance yeah. and they were like well we just did. You invented a dance. And they a new dance. Yeah, I remember we called them like the cheetah girl like the cheetah sluts or something. The sluts. <laughs> I know we didn't say sluts. That would have been um, pretty advanced inappropriate that's great yeah no we said like uh i don't know but we didn't uh 
We didn't like them. They were also like the girls that dance with boys. It was definitely, we were calling yeah. them something that's like, they actually dance with boys and we don't. We They're, just, yeah, we just look at them across the thing. <laughs> yeah. But we really wanted to dance with boys, but like uh, these girls were actually out there doing I it. I don't know. Where do those people end up who had the courage early on to interact with the opposite sex? I've got no idea. Because they, they were all married. like, they were all chasing each other around like, like, Oh, we have to play tag. I hate you. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we were just like standing by the side, like observing. Plagued with overthinking. Um, yeah. Like just cycles of anxiety. Like, well, if I did that, then this would happen. Like just like totally yeah. in my own mind. That's what I, I was doing. I remember with us, it would always go like my best friend would have some kind of interaction with a boy and she'd be like, Kelly wants to dance with you. And then I'd be like, no, I don't. I hate you. <laughs> Like I would immediately panic, <laughs> just be like, "That's gross! I would never do that." Yeah, that's how that's how it's supposed to go. But that continued uh, until yesterday. <laughs> Pretty late. This <laughs> I don't wanna. Pretty late. It's still happening uh, on a lesser degree in a more subtle, uh, <laughs> nuanced way. Yeah, more. Yeah, it's more <laughs> spiritual now. It's more of a vibe. Uh, yeah. That you, that, 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 it's the more of the just pole. the energy I put out. And this, and actually, the same thing today, where someone just goes to a strange stranger of the opposite sex and just like strikes up a conversation. I'm like, who the hell are you? Like, how? How did you do it? How did you do it? What were what all these say? people? People keep talking to me about all like the DM. I had a friend telling me she was DMs just too easy. DMing everyone, telling them exactly how she felt about them. I was like, Why? Why how? was she doing that? Well, I guess how. <laughs> well, like, I just can't imagine. Like, I sent like one DM of like asking someone out during, um, like toward the end of quarantine. Sure, which is when, when you do it. I remember. I mean, I sent. A, I'll say I sent a few, so it doesn't sound specific. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> no, I, I hate did. You. I actually, I did send a few. I just remembered, but I remember the person was like, oh, I, can't, <laughs> I can't like hang out right now. I'm like trying to just hang out with my bubble. And I was like, that's, such, that's such a good bullshit excuse. Yeah, I know. Because so I have it. to like. Everyone's. Everyone. Oh, yeah, your bubble. Like it was definitely, I didn't buy that this person like has. Was doing uh, a bubble. Was, but yeah. like maybe, but I had. But it was like a good rejection where I could feel like I wasn't rejected. I think, yeah, I think you are obligated to lie. I think it's so stupid to tell someone like, yeah, I just don't feel like doing that. Yeah, but it has to be a lie that has no follow-up questions because I am really bad at not understanding lies. And someone will be like, oh, you know, I actually have a lot going on the next few weeks. And I'm like, oh, what about in four weeks? (laughs) (laughs) I know. And then they're like, um... Actually, okay, yes, I am pretty for me. Yeah, they, you're you're putting them <laughs> and then down. They're just like miserable. I'm or very they just flexible. Like, I can or do in it. Four, in four weeks, they're like Kelly. I really, I'm still busy, so I'm just gonna tag you back. And I'm like, oh, that's what that was. That's what it was. So I, in a way, I do appreciate clear rejection, but um, I like when it's vague enough where they kind of say something like, "Don't call me, I'll call you." <laughs> Like they're like, Even door open. I'm busy, but I will text you if that changes. For sure, I'll let you know. For sure, Sounds I'll great. see you around, Kelly. <laughs> For sure, I'll see you around. <laughs> and maybe we'll discuss this again. <laughs> but that that has happened. Actually, maybe it has happened a few times. I'm remembering some more subtle rejections that I had forgotten about. So I could be talking about 
there we anyone. Go. There are so multiples. You're, you're totally covered. <laughs> I had kind of, I have, I've had a couple of rejections that were like, uh, they were actually s- my asking the person out was so vague and the rejection was so vague that I wasn't really sure if I was rejected. Right. And that's mm-hmm. happened more times than not, where I sort of make a little joke. Where it's like, what if we, I don't know. <laughs> what if we were not just friends? <laughs> and then they're like, yeah, that would be, I mean, I would never because you're my friend. And I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course. And then I go home like, oh, that was a rejection. <laughs> but one time I had a thing like that happen. And then a few months later, I brought it up. I was like, well, you rejected me a few... Their person was kind of saying, I feel like I never rejected anyone. I was like, well, you rejected me a few months ago. And they're like, no, I didn't. What are you talking about? And then I named the time, and they're like, oh, I guess so. I mean, that was true. What I said, I view you as a friend, but okay. I didn't realize you were asking me out. Okay. And then I'm like, oh, I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. Gotcha, bitch. It's kidding. <laughs> but I, I have a lot of... Uh, I have a lot of male friends, I guess, because of comedy. Yep, me too, because of comedy. Um, and, and very few female friends because of comedy. I mean, I have a lot of female friends as well, but uh, I feel like I'm friends with like an all-time high of men right now. Okay, and yeah, that wouldn't be that your is standard. because of comedy. That wouldn't be your standard no, choice. No, because I, I never, before doing comedy, like, I mean, all m- still all my closest friends, like my best friend at any given Quote moment unquote. feels to be like, is usually a woman, but I feel like I'm find myself because of comedy and a lot of times in a situation where I'm literally hanging out with like five guys <laughs> and it's just like I'm the one woman in the room and this is normal. Whereas I think oh, yeah. years ago, if I walked into an apartment like that, I'd be like, okay, and we're finding something else to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, what am I doing here? But now that's become normal. It's like, oh, poker night with my like male with crew. The boys, <laughs> the crew. The boy. Did you have sisters? Yeah, I have four sisters. Oh, really? I came from a very female household. I've got three brothers. I came from a very male household. Yeah. Um, Were you Were you raised Catholic? Yeah. Are you reminding? I I just you're reminding me that at my uh, Catholic church I went to, there was like a boy family that was very similar (laughs) to my family. It was like the four boys and the four girls. Your parents were both like maybe. And well, I just remember we would always see them, and they were always very like they were all kind of little carbon copies of each other and very well dressed, and they all had like the little bow tie on, and we were also all kind of like that. And I remember um, just feeling some kind of kinship to them there's like a <laughs> kelly corollary you're like that's the kelly one that's me he i'm that the second, <laughs> o- the second oldest one that's what i would your second oldest yeah i'm second oldest too oh yeah of, but i was thinking you kind of remind me of the one like you look like you could be in that family thank that's you why I was thinking that, like these what bow tie guys yeah no we have definitely have matching sweater energy in my family and they're like people are like whoa you guys are like all the same it's just like three more of me yeah same um, we're, we're all very similar looking i guess and i remember we were really into the book little women growing up oh nice for the longest time it was four of us there's a, we have another sister that's much younger um not to like discount her she's yeah. valid <laughs> like <laughs> but you uh, the, the originals pod. we were like we're very into Little Women because it's about four sisters. Wait, and, and there's would... two more then that came along, or one more that came along. So you have four sisters. There's five altogether. Yeah, yeah. There's five altogether, okay. and uh, we would f- like argue about which one of us was which character in Little Women. That's like a big sister pod thing to do. <laughs> but the the uh, 
big reveal was that on my 18th birthday, which this, my sisters are also all born, like, literally today. Like, they're all born on June 7th or June 9th. Um, wow. Which is just a coincidence. Happy birthdays to Happy them. birthdays to them. But I'm born November 14th. <coughs> so my mom used to, on their birthdays, secretly give me a present. Um, we had that I, too. Like, felt bad. Yes, because you were like, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I would fucking cry. That's a, like, it's, like, it's a bribe. Come like, on. Yeah. It's so, and she would write, like, happy unbirthday, Kelly. And I remember on my 18th birthday, she gave me a copy of Little Women and she wrote on the inside, you're Joe, <laughs> which is the character we all used to fight about which one of us was. Is that the writer one? Yeah, she's the main um, character. She's the one who's well, played I guess by. They're all kind of main characters. Greta Gerwig in the latest one? Did you watch that? She, or Greta is the director, but... Oh, you're right. She's not in it at all. Sure. Wait, is she? Isn't she? She, isn't she? Sir Sharon. Sir Sharon. Sir Yeah. She's Sir, Joe is Sir Sharon. And it's Winona Ryder in the original. But when I bring that story up now, my sisters say, like, they never wanted to be Joe. Poor shit. But I don't believe that. Now they don't want to be Joe. Now that, now Now that it's obviously me. (laughs) I'm the one that moved to New York. I'm the writer. You're writing. So Screenwriter whatever. is your your first credit when you Google you. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Interesting. I guess, yeah, yeah I, ma- I'm, I um, wrote and directed a short film in, I guess, 2016. So that is my IMDb. Boobs. Boobs is what it's called. Nice. It was based, it was supposed to be like proof of concept for a feature I made, which is the year I got boobs. But I made the short version, which is boobs. Oh, the year I got boobs. That sounds good. So it's about a little teen. It's about a teenager who's like, which was this was I was this teenager who's like the person who randomly gets big boobs over the summer, and then they come back and people are like, "Whoa, she has boobs!" <laughs> and people really do treat you different. It's a whole thing. And all of a sudden, like overnight, I like had a boyfriend and like different friends. It's like. Very strange. Different friends. We're like, we're <laughs> friends with this Kelly now. Well, I remember literally Kelly. there being this moment where I like got up to sharpen my pencil and this boy was like literally said out loud, like he was like, Whoa, I think I have to flirt with Kelly now. Like, it was like he, he literally said that. And he was like, I'm sorry. Suddenly I have to go do this. <laughs> and he and his friend laughed and was like, Dude, oh my god. And I was probably like had like my too small like shirt on and was like <laughs> Who knows? Limited. Like to. I was like, like I was not yet aware of the change. I was like very much like what you see on like a sitcom or something. You weren't aware of it. I like I like I remember this was my moment of being aware of it because I remember he came over and I was wearing this shirt that had Iron Man on it, and he looked at my shirt for like way too long, <laughs> and then he went, "Nice uh, Hulk shirt." <laughs> it's not a Hulk. And I was shirt. like, "It's Iron Man." You looked at it pretty long. <laughs> you should you should have seen. Maybe you weren't looking at the actual. And then decal. I all, it was like this moment of like all of a sudden I was like in Paris, but also like what is this? But uh, I don't know. But I but I wrote a f- like this thing about that, and I had a originally came to New York like to be a f- become a filmmaker right. and trying to become like a TV writer, and I still want to be a, a TV and film writer, but it wasn't until. It was after years of pursuing that and trying to do film and uh, make shorts and make sketches that a lot. Some of the comedians that I was making sketches with started getting jobs uh, as writers, like the kind of jobs I want. And I realized it was because their face was on the comedy, like they were doing stand up. Yeah. They were like 
they would literally be in a sketch with that I made with them, but like it's their sketch because like they're the they're person the face, you who's know? being funny, yeah. And so I, I, I had a big like, uh, I don't know, epiphany about like letting like getting on stage. And I remember I looked, I like tried to look at comics that I felt like were sort of comics as a means to be a writer. And oh, yeah. like I was thinking like Larry David okay. or like who else is um, like like people that you it felt like they didn't really want to do that necessarily. They're just showcasing their writing ability. Yeah, and maybe um, and maybe that's not true, but that was kind of the impression I got based on stories about people like. Well, Larry, Emily like, Heller just doesn't do comedy anymore, even though she was great. She's a great comedian. I think she's yeah. awesome. I think the great pasta is a great album, and then she like writes for Barry now. She doesn't do comedy. Yeah, it's well, it's like a I I think it it just shows that you're writing a lot if you're performing and so i thought that's what i would do and then i ended up enjoying performing a lot more once i started like uh like now i do uh identify as a performer so you get you're getting the juice from the performance from the actual performance you're getting a rush from that i think well i'm just like enjoying it more than i thought because i always thought i need to stay in my lane and then i'm this behind the scenes writer yeah, person right. and i always thought like focus on what you're good at be good at the thing you're good at you don't need to be everything right and then but then you were in this group that was doing the artist's way yes and they were reading uh yes reading the artist's way and the first chapter talks about uh like this concept of being a shadow artist and it's like uh about how you're uh, hiding behind other artists, right. and I was like, "Oh, I'm hiding behind like my collaborators." Right. I'm. I was literally at that time making, trying to make a documentary about uh, rape survivor comedians, <laughs> and literally like, I produced a show and put all these comedians that I thought were great, uh, who are great, uh, to perform. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were great. Until they won't. But no, I pr- produced this show and, and and it was incredible. And I remember watching all these comics on stage and I was like, no, I belong on. And I, I just. What's it called? Rape Jokes First? Rape Jokes by Survivors. Rape Jokes by Survivors. And, and I, you had no jokes about that? No. You weren't but doing I, comedy at all? No. And, Whoa. And so I, I was like, I belong behind the scenes. I just want to like lift up these other women. Yeah. And then uh, I, li- I got on stage just to like introduce the host. Yeah. And that was like my first, I mean, it was a sold out show. So it was like 120 people or something like that. And I remember I got up there and I realized I should like say something funny to like <laughs> before the host comes on. Yeah. And I just made a little, that day in the news, uh, Bill Cosby had just like been found guilty. Wow. And I just made a little joke about it. Like, uh, I don't remember exactly what I said. And I don't really want to pee it in case it's not funny because I'm like <laughs> setting it up as if it was. Like he had already been found <laughs> out. Like it was like. But I like said something like and kind of got everybody to cheer about it. Nice, and nice. I made a little uh, joke. It was something about Jello. I don't know, but uh, I just remember like That's good. saying something and like all these people laughed and I was like, Bleh. and that was like my first time like experiencing that in such a big way. And I was like, okay, well I'm gonna get off stage where I belong. And then um, the women that were on that show who I was also interviewing for the documentary um they were really like supportive of me and one of them was like are you sure you're not a comic Kelly because <laughs> like because the, the other thing I had done was that I asked everyone to meet at an open mic like to practice like to do the jokes because there was no way like no one could submit a tape to me of like their jokes They're, about this. yeah right they're not doing so those very often I for comics that were more uncomfortable I was like we can meet at this mic and 
take over the mic and do jokes there. So this one mic didn't know what was what, what was hit coming. him. <laughs> it was like this mic in the Upper West Side. It was like very, very random of me. Like I was also like not a comic and right. I didn't really know that I was saying such a weird thing. So I was like, yeah, let's make this mic. <laughs> we'll just do this. <laughs> and so when we got there, everyone was kind of uncomfortable. And I realized uh, that people were not wanting to do this because the first girl like, got drawn out of the bucket and she got up and didn't do like her material about trauma. She bailed, And I yeah. was like, oh, right, this is terrifying. Right. So I was like, okay. So I asked the host to put me up. And I, at the time, I wasn't doing comedy. And I went up and I just did a bunch of like jokes that I kind of made up that day. Um, about your trauma. About my trauma. And I was just trying to make these other comics comfortable. You're trying to like, yeah, like, 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 Tom look, Sawyer. I did it. I'm yeah. not just like trying look, to it's make fun. I'm not trying to make you guys just, I, w- I wanted to show them like, I'm not yeah. just trying to like put you through something. Yeah. Like, but then Watch when I got off stage, the comics that I was with, who are now my friends, they were like, Kelly, like, what's your deal? Like, what's your, like, <laughs> are you a comic? And I was like, nah, no, I'm not. And they were like, well, that was funny. You know, like, you're a shadow. So you're like, you want to be a comic. Yeah. And then another, and also I had just like literally at that time just uh, broken up with a comedian or was broken up with by. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I was broken up with by a comedian. You didn't have to say that. <laughs> I know. I want to be truthful. <laughs> but I was broken up. <laughs> I had a breakup with. It was mutual. That's how you do it. That's how it's done. I had a mutual breakup Bingo. with a comic who like was no big deal to me. <laughs> it didn't hurt my feelings at all that we broke up. Um, and we <laughs> we had been like collaborating on a, on sketches, and I was helping him with his comedy. Right. And I think I hadn't realized you were mismazling this this motherfucker. I was living vicariously through this yeah. comic. And um, after we broke up, that was gone. Like I didn't have that anymore. And he kind of knew I wanted to be a comic too, because I would have so many joke ideas. <laughs> Uh, and I would literally be like, I have this packet for you. I, I don't know what I would do with it. You take it. <laughs> like, uh, but after that, I was like, okay, without that. And I remember like feeling like I needed to pivot hard to something that was like in my lane. And yeah. that's why I was like, I'll make this documentary about like rape survivor comics. Right. And it will like not involve my ex-boyfriend at all. It won't be like weird that I'm like in his scene because I'm doing this own thing. Yeah, it's specific. And it felt so specific to me. And, and I was really proud of it, but... I, I just remember suddenly feeling like, whoa, I'm such like a fraud. Like I'm, I want to be on stage. Like I, I'm like acting like I'm like this director person. And one of the women who I had befriended through all this invited me to this uh, artist way. Artist group. way. And that's when, and it was literally called the artist way. The club was called the artist way for stand up comics. <laughs> so I was like, not, <laughs> not a comic in the group surrounded by these comics and they all encouraged me and you would meet and like do the steps do the exercises the morning yeah, pages do the exercises the pages the artist date and then we'd all meet up and talk about it and we would read the chapter together okay and we would like all discuss our feelings about it which was kind of funny because we would like uh it was comics so they would kind of make fun of the book people would be like taking it seriously but not They'd yeah oh like, i guess i believe in god now <laughs> <laughs> this is stupid Ugh, i hate it Whatever, but I do, I do, I have, I did have a spiritual. I believe in the, that it's, the the ideas are coming from somewhere. Yeah, like people would really were connecting with it, but also were like, this is bullshit. But like, it was sort of a good combo. 
of, and I became friends with those people and they were like, I was revealing to them all these things I've been doing over the years to like hide from like this truth about myself yeah. and all these ideas I had. And they were like, Kelly, like, oh my God, I'm like, well help. Like if you want to make your sketch show or whatever you want to do, like we'll help you. So I made a sketch show with these comics and literally the day of the sketch show, I still was like, I shouldn't be in the show. Like you guys are all really You were talented. playing on not being in it. I like wrote this whole show and I was like, I'm behind the scenes person. And at the last minute, someone dropped out of the show and it happened to be the part that I literally had originally written for myself. Uh-huh. That I like uh, thought I didn't belong in or whatever. And I did it and it was like so much fun. And then I started doing stand up and it was so much fun. And started doing improv and it was so much fun and it all kind of happened so quickly and then a year later i found myself like getting attention for being a rape survivor one year later yeah was the weinstein thing yeah wow yeah geez you're good you like you like you came out like fully baked you were like all well because i I had spent so much time literally literally helping other comics right right watching them very carefully and also during that whole time, which was like six years. It was like six years of me living All right, like good. That's behind good. other people. And I was, during that whole time, was secretly writing jokes for myself, too. Nice. And like constantly, like I even, so after I was getting attention for uh, like being a rape survivor, uh, Google it. I don't know. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to get into it, guys. It. Harvey Weinstein. It's in yeah, the it's news. on the news. So after that, I got this opportunity to produce Rape Jokes by Survivors again because New York Comedy Festival was like, we would love you to do a show. And I was like, I have a show. And it's already fully together. Like, I can call up all the same comics. But this time, I was going to do like a 15-minute setup up top. Nice. And so I wrote all new jokes. And all of a sudden, like, I was on stage doing this show. But when I was uh, preparing for that show, I looked into the documents of the original show and there was this document literally called, it was like, uh, rape survivor jokes for in case the host drops out and I have to host last minute. Huh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> literally, the document was called that whole thing. So you had been writing it already. Yeah. It, like, And I didn't even remember that I had done that. But I was always doing that before. Like, I was always writing documents that was like, I'm obviously not a comedian. I'm just <laughs> stupid. And, but if anyone ever needs a joke, um, here are some jokes that I could give them for free because why not? Or it would just be like, if if for some reason someone randomly gives me a microphone and says you have to talk on stage, here's every other what comedian, I would say. every other comedian dies. I could do this. <laughs> I could do these if they need me to. No one needs another comedian. But literally, but. I had already started writing the set that then all of a sudden, which I had never planned to do, but I had been backed into a corner where I was like accidentally getting attention. Uh, yeah, for this a thing. lot of attention. Getting a lot of attention for something I had literally not even broadcast at all. I hadn't even told most people yeah. that about myself. I was like, I'm an ally. Like, I'm coming, I'm <laughs> helping people. <laughs> but like, all of a sudden, I was getting this attention, and I realized like I had already been preparing for this for years because yeah. I literally had already produced the show and written the jokes. And Now, okay, wait. I heard on this podcast, I just listened to you on, that... Um, you the same like the you would just come back from you were like selling a show the sketch show you had done to LA to sell that yeah, like that so same that week sketch show that the the one that like a year earlier so there's artist way I guess it was maybe a year and a half earlier I don't know but whenever it was that my friends were like the sketch show that you've been sitting on like let's make it yeah and so we had made that sketch show for a year and then um a company like 
wanted to like discover it and like try to sell it. So we all got to fly out to LA uh, like that a week earlier and I was having all these meetings pitching this show and we were like basically uh, put on like a live pilot of the show. Oh wow, fun. And had like these, uh, cause it was kind of like an SNL type uh, format in that it was like live sketch and there's a host. Okay. But it was like sort of like if SNL were a kid's show was kind of the kind of, okay. like there's like a Pee Wee Herman type host. I don't know, it's a long story, but I uh, had just come back. I had been working on that for a month. Like, cause from the, the moment we had like the, the, I was writing all these different drafts of the show. Costumes and, and sets and stuff. We had to rehearse and I was like producing it, but also I was yeah. in it. And also like we had, we had to go out there and put it together in like a different location. Cause we, it was a very location driven show. Cause it's like a live, basically this sketch takes place in a real house. Like, and it's sort of like sleep no more. Like, the camera goes around the house and like sketch happens in each room. Whoa. And then it all is live streamed into the basement where like the audience is. Whoa. So it was very, very like ambitious concept. Yeah. And I, so I was using all my production skills cause I've been working in production for years. So I was doing that, like the live stream concept. Then I also had gotten way more involved in the show as a performer than I ever planned. Um, and you did it like that? You did it with the ba- with the audience in the basement. Well, we ended up we ended up pre-filming a lot of the sketches <coughs> just to like so there wouldn't be so much room for error during yeah. the show. But then that was a lot of work because leading up to the show we had to film all these sketches. Fuck yeah. Uh, so anyway, it was just like a lot. Of, I remember coming back from LA like on October twenty second or whenever it was. Like wow, that was the craziest like. <laughs> Three weeks of my life. You can't get w- more wild than that. Like, what's going to happen next? That's that was over. wild. And literally the next day, I was like, sort of, I remember feeling, I was feeling really down, actually. You know, after you do something like really big. Yes. Your brain and can't handle. Over, yeah. And I was like really emotional. And also it sort of felt like when we were at summer camp and we were all had really close and you come back from that, it feels kind of lonely. Yeah. And I remember that my friend, um, who's a part of the sketch show, Soren Choksi, took me out to oh, lunch yeah. that day and he was really kind and like bought me lunch and was like saying like Kelly like you should feel proud of yourself and I was like thank you and I had an interview that day so I was wearing a suit and I was like okay like we're getting back to normal like <laughs> get a job like see your friends and do stand up again cuz I hadn't done stand up in a month cuz I was just doing all that preparation and that night was like the show that Harvey Weinstein <laughs> was invited to so I literally was like there in my interview suit and like uh, coming off of this wild time. And then uh, things just got a lot more wild after that with like being in the news and all of a sudden having a lot more opportunities to do stand up and like have meetings and also be known as like a rape survivor, which is weird because uh, it's like most people's first impression of me now is like right. I know you from somewhere. <laughs> they don't <laughs> want to say what. Uh, and and but now I I just like it actually gave me an opportunity to make the show that I had wanted to make years ago, which is like this silly show about rape survivors. Like like Dylan Adler and I now have this show, Rape Victims Are Horny Too, and I never knew that show would be like starring me. Yeah. And I always wanted to make something like that. And um, it's like a musical comedy, like silly, almost like 
cabaret type duo but it's all about our trauma so it's very like fun for us even like we literally were just rehearsing right before you got here and I thought that I was in a really bad place to be doing the show like in terms of my mental state and but the second we do it it's such a joyful show that literally it just feels good no matter when we do it now was that like your intention in the conception of it was to to alchemize the badness into the goodness i'm, I'm trying to think of what the intention you've always wanted to do it it seems like you've always yeah, wanted to do it it. Al- it, ha- it all happened very quickly i remember right before that rape jokes by survivor show uh that we got to do in new york comedy festival after i was like uh getting attention right before that i saw dylan for like the first time and it was at an open mic and he was performing this joke where he says, this morning I took a poop so big it was triggering. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's hilarious. <laughs> and literally, he saw me doing a joke. Um, I don't know if it was before or after him, but I had this joke I was working on that was like me auditioning for group therapy for rape survivors. <laughs> and the joke was me saying like, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. How many victims does he need? <laughs> Tell me about your childhood again. And and he was like, oh, my God, I love your like trauma riff song. I was like, I love your trauma riff song. And I think I had never. You're I both already doing it. Yeah, so I already knew other. I knew so many comic survivors that have jokes about their material, but Dylan was the first person I met that like brought the same like joy and weirdness and like also music to the uh um whole thing but i'm i wasn't like doing musical comedy i just would like sometimes put little musical riffs in my stand-up right, right. where i just kind of sing for a second and then go back to but he which is easier to do yeah easier <laughs> you don't need to tune up e- yeah and um he did a song i put i booked him on rape jokes by survivors after that and he did his song like why am i so fucked up and um, just you know, Google Dylan Adler. He's he's amazing. Yeah, amazing. you'll 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 love it. But Google. Uh, then I, rape jokes by survivors had been optioned like also to be like try to be sold, and which mean I had I couldn't like I didn't have control over it anymore. Or oh. like you know what I mean? Like I don't know how to describe when something's optioned. You like can't just do it whenever. Like it, it now it there's partners. Well, had someone paid you for it, or it was yeah. like oh good all right. So but it was one of those things where like. I had to kind of sit on it until, you know, you agree with the partners. The real thing. But happens. I had this, uh, like, real urge to, like, do this kind of material while I was, it was on, it was really on my mind because people were asking me about it a lot, like, in these interviews I was doing, and um, I just felt like the time to be doing that material. So I invited Dylan on a podcast I was recording where, like, the idea of the podcast would be that I, like, sing a song with the guest after oh, we cool. talk about whatever thing they bring. Wait, did that happen yet or no? It did. It, well, it was a podcast I had called Stupid Heavy, uh, and I did it for a while, but then I kind of stopped doing it because, I don't know. Just that's not, that's <laughs> how podcasts work. <laughs> so you stop. You do them for a while, then you stop. That's a, that's a podcast. But on his episode, uh, I was like, it would be fun if we wrote a song together about like um, healing from rape trauma because we both can speak and sing to that and so i wrote this song for us called tell me i'm hot but don't fucking touch me <laughs> which i've is, seen you guys from that one that's amazing. which is like a, a club anthem uh <laughs> about us not wanting to be touched in the club and 
we had so much fun performing that that I was like, what if we just did a show where each of us do like 30 minutes and like we had, but we do a couple songs together in between and we each like just perform our own half hour. And he was like, yeah, that'd be so much fun. And then we were in sort of thinking about what songs we perform. All of a sudden I had like a million ideas and the songs were just sort of writing themselves and I, themselves. And I was so excited, I think, because Dylan's a really talented musician and I'm, I'm not like, so I was so excited that someone would actually be able to play these songs. Okay, right. So you can accompany So all you. this stuff was just kind of pouring out. And pretty quickly, we had like a whole show of songs. Like we didn't With no stand-up. Without, even if we weren't to do like, we wouldn't even need to do separate acts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that happened. And we had already booked a space for us to do a show together in like three weeks. We were like, what if we wrote a whole show? Damn. And so in like three weeks, we literally wrote a whole show and we were, it was so exciting. Like it happened so quickly and we performed it on like February 29th, uh, 2020 leap day. Yeah. I remember it was leap day because I remember making a, a joke about how it was right four years ago or one leap year ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, then, um, after that we got to perform like, we were supposed to perform our second show in New York on March 13th and we performed one show in LA on March 12th. So we were literally on a plane on the way back from LA, like Whoa. performing a show and it was like an empty plane cause yep. Know, yep. it was going down. And Corona. now a year, a little over a year later, we're going to perform again this Saturday. This Saturday. I'll, I'll, I, should be, I should be able to get it turned around before the end of the week. Although you're gonna be in the, you might be in a big newspaper, and so you might not. I mean, who knows? Don't jinx not, it. Don't jinx it. Uh, but uh, yeah, also you'll you'll have my audience as well. <laughs> These people, <laughs> they're really into this. They're they're. The I mean, van, uh, the van, uh, the van people. Supporters. They're into it. They'll be. They well, will you know, this. there's a correlation between. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> between survivors and vans. And it's not the don't correlation. Don't get into that van. Exactly. That's what they always say. <laughs> it's not the correlation you want, but it's it's a correlation. I do remember one time in college, uh, my friend got into a van with some like guys from college, and I was like, "Fuck, I have to follow her into the van because yeah, I'm not leaving her in that van alone." And Bingo. I, I remember literally at this party, I grabbed a, a saw, like a hand saw, from a party, you know. Just, <laughs> I don't know, it was the south, you know. You know. There was a saw sitting around for some yeah, reason, of course. and I grabbed the saw and I got into the van. and I was like, "No one fucking try anything," <laughs> and they were like, "Whoa, that's intense! Why does she have a saw?" To cut your dick off. <laughs> I was like, "Cause I do." Yeah. Now I'm in here because my friend got in yeah. here. <laughs> so where are we going, boys? <laughs> and <laughs> the next day, someone posted on Facebook, like, "Who the fuck steals a saw from a party?" That was my father's saw. <laughs> Bring the saw back now, you spineless piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> and i was like Fuck. <laughs> it was me i took the saw but i didn't want to deal with the confrontation so i i ran i snuck back to the house and like threw the saw and ran away nice i don't know if they ever found it but oh come on of i course. hope i threw it to the right house you look twice <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck leaves a random saw if you're listening <laughs> it was me but i t- took it for a good reason the magic saw fairy came and <laughs> dropped a, a weird rape saw i wouldn't just take a saw okay i had a good reason yeah your father would be happy or, or else to intimidate all these men in the van exactly <laughs> to, in- to intimidate to intimidate men and make sure everyone stays in line and does what they're supposed to be doing <laughs> 
It's better to have a saw and not need one than to need a saw and not have one. Yeah, but it turned out they just wanted to go to Bojangles, which is like delicious. Which is fine. It was just yeah. their van made it look weird. Yep. That's that, hey, I I face that adversity <laughs> adversity all the time. Yeah, it's, it's hard just when you car. ask someone to get in the van. No, just get in. A, just gonna do a podcast interview. Just in, yeah. You know, Show the equipment, buddy. Just yeah. <laughs> just for the yeah. Just for the pod. Just for the pod. Um. Oh, anyway, so Dil- you and Dylan writing together. I'm curious about that. So he's a good musician. So you're like you come at him with some lyrics or an idea, and you're jamming. What's the well, story? Well, of course he's he's a a writer as well, of course. In this particular situation, I we had a we're very short on time, and so I wrote pretty heavily. And then I think for a lot of these songs, it was like I wrote a concept for a song, yeah. And then because we switch off, like I would sort of write in sort of an idea for a verse that I thought would be Dylan's, and then he goes back in and like. Uh, changes that whole verse and like makes it his voice and his like things voice. that are his experience right right and um or i'll sometimes just like have it'll be a song and it'll kind of be like and then dylan's verse here like whatever his right and so there was a lot of that and it was parodies of songs like uh man i feel like a victim by shania twain <laughs> uh trauma mia by abba that's um, hilarious okay uh, 21st of September, parentheses, do you remember? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that one got me. I had and, no idea uh, that was coming. Uh, Rapey Boy by Avril Lavigne. Oh, um, nice. The list truly goes on. Uh, you remind me of a rape that I once knew <laughs> by Usher. Uh, <laughs> hey, wait. Yeah, it truly, uh, I'm every victim we've all been in. You know, oh, it truly we cover all the hits, um, but I think we'll just kind of get ideas for parodies, and then sometimes it'll be something original. And then like Dylan had his songs here, like I added a couple of my own verses to his song "Why Am I So Fucked Up?" Why am I so fucked up? And he also already was doing musical comedy, and a right. lot most of his songs are relevant to our show, so he does those songs on the show. So a lot of it was kind of figuring out how to weave together our comedy. Where like, I'll do some stand up, and then he'll do like a relevant song to like I'll I'll do stand up about like being bullied, and then he'll do his bully sing oh, song. Oh sweet! Or and then we'll sort of finish each other's sentences. But it's like our material really fits together in a way that was pretty easy to. Uh, I mean, it just happened. Now it happened so fast, but now a year later, we're like looking at the show is not like set in stone like was it the same will it be a similar show to the one you were doing like march 12th 2020 absolutely like okay. especially these next couple shows like we're probably gonna do almost the exact same show wow that we did in march 2020 but we're definitely looking more at writing more material and uh and not making the show longer because it's already like it's pretty long is it <laughs> it's like sometimes it goes like 90 minutes sure it's like not too long no, but like not. we shouldn't probably make it longer but uh we we, we definitely like we could cut out s- some of the stand-up and make it more songs like we could add more stand-up anything i think we only got to perform it like one and a half times okay so the more we perform it i bet we'll keep writing and because we really need we have to do the show to write it 
more because like comedy like stand-up right but it's not performing. this material we can't uh rehearse it's we tried you've seen it yeah oh yeah <laughs> you saw us on our epic i saw our epic bomb night that was hilarious yeah i was at a show and you're like i'm gonna do one half of a duet about sexual assault <laughs> and everyone's <laughs> like all right sure and then uh i think it didn't go terrible no they i didn't listened. like fully bomb yeah uh they i thought you went first also they, which is a problem for any comedian to go first and they they laughed at like my setup for the song and the song they were sort of like because I was like, this verse is sung by a gay man. Uh, yes, because no, he wasn't there. Okay, so Dylan wasn't there, so you old, you had to like sing his and explain it. That was so funny to and me. And then I remember after that, I was like, whoa, that was bad. I ate shit. And then Dylan also like texted me like, I also <laughs> ate shit because he had done the same thing at Littlefield or wherever he was. And then um, <laughs> we, we decided to meet up, and uh, Dylan had another spot. And we were like, we'll hijack this show together. Hop on, yep and do our songs and rehearse because we literally just needed to rehearse we were going to perform like that week so we haven't gotten to rehearse right. at all and we were really nervous i mean we rehearsed only alone but we hadn't hadn't heard whether people laughed at this so uh <laughs> we decided we performed in front of it was like a weed show in in like uh bushwick okay it's like everyone was like buying weed um that weed. was the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it was like mostly men. Yeah. Um, and I remember the host got up after us and he was like, you know, sometimes people are gay. <laughs> 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 and that's all right. Like, you felt like it explained. Because like, what else he said, but like, we literally, we performed to like, it wasn't just silence. It was like people being like, Ooh. oh, no. <laughs> We were like, okay, that's what we're looking for. Recoiling. But also, when Dylan and I are performing together, we don't have, like, backup material, so it's not like we can pivot when, like, we don't have another set. Exactly. You don't so have, if like, we're on stage together, we're doing this material. Yeah, you don't just have observational So we can't bits. be like, well, um, you all don't like this, so let's talk about regular stuff. Right. You don't have, like, a bodega bit that you guys do together or something about the train or something. No, and it's kind of the same with the show itself, like... uh there's no there's no jumping off. Like if the song is going weird, sure, yeah. We're going to do the rest of that song. But at the show, I was just saying this to you before we started, is like it'll people bought tickets to Raid Victims are Horny too. So that'll be good. Yeah. No, and oh, yes, it will be good. Don't Please be, come. It'll be great. But like <laughs> no one's going to be like, "What the fuck is this?" The, the the thing that happens, the only thing we're afraid of at the show, which is inevitable, is some people getting triggered by the material. Right. But we are aware of that and we you know tell people like if they need to leave or like take a break or whatever and come back uh they can but it is a very silly show and we feel like people really respond to that like it felt kind of like this like it's like a weird concert where like a lot of people in the audience are survivors but they're like kind of sort of treating us like we're like these survivor rock stars <laughs> like they're all like into it um so that's really fun and we do have a song prepared for people who are triggered uh called i will trigger you uh by the rembrandts the friends theme song <laughs> i will trigger and it starts so no one told you that you were gonna be raped <laughs> <laughs> Man. So yeah, we, <laughs> we, we <laughs> it's great. It's we cover everything, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, if you're triggered by this podcast, I, I'm sorry. 
I'll we put a warning really up top. Our, it's really not our uh, goal to do that. Um, but it, it, it's how we like, it's just how we're healing or like it might, it's what makes us feel good. So we know that it must make other people feel good if we are feeling better because we're doing it. And I'm sure you've got that, gotten that <laughs> And feedback. we have gotten that feedback. Yeah, yeah. And occasionally there will be someone who's like, I wish you wouldn't talk about that on stage. Like, it's upsetting me or like, I don't think it's productive or you're pigeonholing yourself or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And to them, I say, you don't have to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to There's say some that. things we can keep to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> and like criticisms of me. <laughs> or just like, if your impulse is like to tell, you know, like, you know, a rape survivor not to talk. <laughs> maybe, may, maybe, yeah. unpack hmm. that. Hmm. <laughs> Think about that. Think about that. <laughs> not to make it like a whole thing, but to say that criticizing me is actually <laughs> anti-feminist. Anti-feminist. <laughs> if you think my comedy is bad, yeah, you're a piece and of shit. Actually, I remember the day that like <laughs> the pandemic became real to Americans. <laughs> yeah, it was like. Dylan and I were literally rehearsing the show and we were in such denial that like the venue called us and they're like, so you're watching the news. And we were like, yeah, you know, it's your call. Like <laughs> whatever you I want know, to do. I know. We'll do the show. We'll if do you want it. us to do the show, we'll do it. To you. We'll do it. Should we do it? We'll Should do we? It. I mean, it's still your call. And they're like, I mean, we're going to cancel the show. <laughs> we're canceling all of our shows. And we are like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that's what we're going to do. But if I you just, I mean, just, like, <laughs> we're playing it by ear. We're following your lead. And then I remember we posted a video on Instagram that day that was like, um, <laughs> we were like, victims will not be silenced. <laughs> we're going to have to move the show to another venue. <laughs> we're going to break into the pit loft. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. <laughs> Wait, did you? No, no. Okay. We were kidding. Okay. We, we, we understood the severity we're, of the pandemic. I mean, not enough not to make a joke video about it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand that at all. Rachel wanted to click cancel wet cash, and I was like, but... I don't want to. And she goes, people are dying. People will die. And I go, yeah, I don't want to cancel it, but I guess I can't. That's not a good argument. Yeah. I felt like I was, I had been basically since that October, I had been so overwhelmed and like consumed by like getting attention or opportunities or whatever. I literally didn't let myself watch the news or anything or like hear about. Yeah. I just didn't have the bandwidth to hear about like anything. In case you're on the news again. So I literally wouldn't even watch TV. I wouldn't like, I didn't go out much. Like I was pretty much isolating myself except like rehearsing with Dylan or like doing a specific thing. Well, you do it. Well, you weren't doing, yeah, you were asked being asked to do Like if someone asked me to do a show or like if I asked to do show, like I wasn't like, I was really trying not to overstimulate myself because yeah. it was a very strange time for me. And so I was sort of like, would either be like locked inside, like um, like sort of trying to, I don't know what's the word, like not have any s- sensory, yeah. like whatever. Deprivation. De- yeah, deprivation. sensory deprivation. That's the word I'm looking for. And so people, when people were telling me about the pandemic, I literally felt like I didn't know about it. Like <laughs> I was just like, I'm busy. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm, this is a weird time for me. <laughs> like, no, Kelly, this is very much happening. It's a weird time like, for everybody. Okay, I haven't heard about it. I don't know. I have to get on a plane. <laughs> la, 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 but la. then, then all of a sudden, you know, obviously it was real. And was it a good break? 
Yeah, oh, it was great. Wasn't <laughs> it? I liked it. Yeah. No, <laughs> no I mean, um, definitely. I mean, I was like, uh, well, the first day of the pin, like, or the second day, I don't know. Me and my like boyfriend at the time broke up. So damn, that's terrible that timing. Was rough. Well, it felt so very sorry. specific to the pandemic. To the pandemic, because we got in like a. We got in a pandemic argument, like, on like, how we are going to handle it right away. Because okay. I was very, like, following the rules and very, like, right. panicked. <laughs> and, like, all right, we have to – we're not going to be able to see each other. So, like, should we go away together? Because we've been dating, like, a year and a half. Okay, right. And I was like, let's go to uh, – my mom has, like, a beach trailer. We can drive there and stay there. And then we'll have each other. That sounds nice. That, that we can have the whole trailer to ourselves. We'll be at the beach. It's an island in North Carolina. It's really nice. He was like, oh, whoa, this is moving really fast. Like, he kind of <laughs> had the reaction as if I was not, like, describing an emergency plan. He was like, I don't even know. I don't know that I want to take a trip with you. I was like, this isn't like, like we're, like, in a serious relationship, and this is, a, like, an emergency plan. Yeah. <laughs> and he was kind of like, I, my life, he, he was very much, my life is here, and I'm going to be here. And I realized also he wasn't really planning on not seeing his friends or, like, right, really right, changing right. his life. Right, right. Well, not that he wasn't following the rules, but, like, I knew I wasn't going to be seeing anyone anymore. Like right. I knew I didn't live with friends. I lived with strangers and like, I knew I was going to be in a bleak social situation. <laughs> so I was thinking like he and I should go away together. And he was think he lived with his friends and he had friends nearby. Like he gotcha. already knew he would have a bubble probably. And all gotcha. that. pre before even the bubbles were approved, he was in bubble mode. Right. And, uh, he just was like, I'm going to, do delivery driving and stuff like he had a whole plan that had nothing to do with me i see and he was like very much was like maybe we should handle this ourselves and and i wow. literally had the opposite instinct that was like we must stick together yeah. we're a team like we love each other and he was like i can't take care of you let alone you know yeah so our opposite instincts were revealed by okay them. so it was not a coincidence it was a specific pandemic but breakup. i think it revealed just like how which was already known like how we handle a crisis or like how we even relate to each other i don't know anxious avoidant attachment whatever you want to yep. call it but yep. Tales we broke this time. up so i was not happy about that but i was for the it was the first time i had like downtime since like june becoming that famous year. yeah or well, before then even yeah because right. of the sketch show yeah. thing so I was definitely taking time to like unpack the emotions of the last like six months. Yeah. And then, and then me and like the boyfriend ended up getting back together for a little while. Once I think he realized like he couldn't like get out and be single. So <laughs> he did that. Well, we weren't really back together. We were sort of just like, you know, keeping to the company. And then. What a nice way to put it. I like that. Just keeping each other <laughs> company. And then, you with, know, her <laughs> with her bodies. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, that ended. And then I think it was like, yeah, I mean, it was a bad time. It was a bad time for everybody. I see. But I think there were some, there were definitely moments of like growth or whatever. Like, not, I want to say I like didn't get anything out of having time to myself because I, I wrote a book manuscript Damn, a whole book I, manuscript? Yeah. Awesome. I wrote like a fiction, like a novel. And I, I like wrote some serious songs. Wait, are those separate things? Like two no, separate things? No, like I wrote, you wrote a it novel. was a novel that I, a novel manuscript. Hell yeah. And then I also, I wrote like a few like pilot scripts. 
guitar. I wrote like a bunch of songs, like serious songs. And I found myself, there was a time where I was being really artistically productive and like making like a sketch video every day and like um, had my like Bo Burnham moments <laughs> of like getting obsessed with projects <laughs> or whatever. And talking to camera, talking to the camera and uh, just really pushing myself. I kept telling myself, I was treating it like a, I kept lying to myself and saying like, I had always wanted a fellowship. Like I would apply to fellowships where you like have a few months to work on a project and someone's paying you to do it. Yeah. And I was collecting unemployment. So I was like trying to tell myself like, imagine this is a fellowship and you only have two months to uh, write this whole book or write this pilot or write this feature or whatever. And I would lie to my, I knew I, I didn't think the pandemic was about to end, but I would always tell myself like, okay, next month everything's gonna go back to normal. So you literally have to finish this yes. by uh, June 1st. Nice. And, and it would work like the deadlines where I would finish these things. And then I would sort of take a moment <coughs> to be sad and like realize nothing got back to normal. <laughs> and then I would be like, all right, now you have another project. <laughs> now you have to write these songs before July 1st because then everything's going to get back to normal. Everything's going to get back to normal. But by the end of, um, the pandemic's not over, obviously, but by the end of being locked in my apartment, I had written as much as I would have hoped I would have. Yeah. Like, in that time, which is, like, that's, I'm proud of the fact that, like, I always thought if I had all the time, I would write a lot. Yeah. I did write a lot, so, like, Hell yeah. No, but it's yeah. okay if you didn't. And it's also okay if you didn't. Yeah. That's okay. Um, now, oh, hysterical. That's so cool. When did that, what the documentary about women in comedy called hysterical and you're featured prominently in it. Yes. You're like the cool, like, I thought you might be no offense. I thought it might be like a little like, oh, also this happened, but like the, your Weinstein thing is like, it feels like it's almost like a, a, it turns the corner of the documentary. It's like, and here's the future of women in comedy speaking truth to power. Like they really use it as like a, a poignant moment. Well, it was interesting when that came up, it was actually, it was like that, I guess when New York comedy festival was happening, okay. which was in November of 2019. And that had happened at the end of October, 2019. Okay. Um, so I think the documentary people, they were interviewing a lot of the big comics in New York during the festival. Yeah. So they were interviewing like Margaret Cho, Nikki Glaser, and some others. And or I don't know if it was in New York or what, but they were interviewing them that week. And I guess because I was in the news, the women were referencing me. Yeah, like, I, cause because I heard because it was yeah. ha it had just happened. They were like, "Oh, this just happened," and they were like talking about it like they're like, "It's like, like her. She's so brave. I wish she could be brave." Like Nikki Glaser, like someone like that. She so changed I the think way I see comedy because they were referencing me so much, <clears throat> and it was like they happened to be doing all these interviews that week. That week, they emailed me and they were like, "Can you interview? Can you interview right now?" Because they're talking about you like these awesome people. And that was at that time I was getting so many requests that I actually was ignoring all requests. <laughs> but uh, a week later, I said like I could do it now. Are you still available? And then they said no, we're gone. But you can come to LA and we'll, we'll interview here, and you can perform at the Improv. And oh, nice! Like, and I had never gotten to perform at the Improv, so I was like, oh, I'll go for that. You know, <laughs> that sounds sick. <laughs> and then, but that was literally like only a couple weeks after. Um, I was still very much in the, uh, I don't know what to call it, like, 
wormhole of that experience <laughs> where because I was getting interviewed so much that I it got to the point where I felt like I was looking like dead eyed in the camera like <laughs> and then everyone would ask me the same questions I'd be like yes it was uh it was bad <laughs> <laughs> they did rape bad uh I try my best <laughs> I don't know did I do okay <laughs> like I very much it was was felt very disconnected and like disassociated yeah. from everything I was saying at that yeah, time okay. where a lot of times I would literally like I would literally write an op-ed or something and then I would read it and be like is that me like, <laughs> like who wrote that New York Times op-ed I read yeah. it today it's great but it was uh uh sort of strange where I was getting I remember just saying it took me a while to realize I I didn't have to say yes to everything so yeah. I was getting these people I'd be like sure I'll write something and then I would starting to feel like I was sort of like like opening a vein and like like sort of like people were just like taking you dry. taking taking so i i finally was like i should stop saying yes to press but that was the last thing i did was that documentary but i literally was interviewed um uh like in november 2019 so watching it in 2021 was kind of surreal because i felt very disconnected from my own words and yeah. sort of cringe yeah okay and kind of like who is that person? But then seeing the um, women talking about me, that, I mean, my reaction to that doesn't change at all. Like, that's awesome. I was so like, excited for you. It was I awesome. was just like, oh, yeah. she, like, she knows my name. Ah. And, and, and even, like, what was interesting about the documentary coming out is that when I was getting all that attention initially, I really, it was too overwhelming to take in, like, anything cool that happened. Yeah. Like, I remember... I didn't even use Twitter at the time, but I was getting all these Twitter followers and I thought I only had one. I The the reason I realized I was going viral on Twitter is that I got a message from Chelsea Peretti <laughs> and, it, and it came up as a push notification because I follow her. And so it was like, Chelsea Peretti messaged you and she's my favorite comic. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, and it just said like, stay strong, Kelly Bachman. And I was like, it felt like that scene in Lord of the Rings, like when like Frodo gets the light, and, like, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like from Galadriel. I was like, Stay "Oh my strong. god!" But I thought that was my only message because um, my messages were closed, the DMs, so you can yeah. only get messages from someone you fall back. I didn't even know that, so I didn't even know who was trying to message me or like that celebrities. I didn't really know how to see like celebrities. And then did you open it up? Adding and me? Yeah. Okay. And I opened up my, by the time I opened up my DMs, like, I mean, a lot poured in, but like, who knows what I miss? I don't know. But like, um, people were telling me like, so-and-so's following you, so-and-so, oh my God. And it was like big names, but I didn't even have, it was too overwhelming for me to even answer. And right. like, thanks my hero for saying, uh, you are good. And, and it was like a couple months later, I, I found in my request some like, celebrities that i hadn't answered and i answered like hey what's sorry like thank you but i it truly was too overwhelming to uh even have a feeling about any yeah, of it yeah but the nice thing with the documentary coming out is that i i got some more messages like that but at this it was like a digestible amount so i was really able to take it in and like feel it be it's the first time in the last couple months is the first time that i've really been able to feel like oh this was like meaningful like or i guess the the way people feel about this like 
I think I felt such imposter syndrome and such being overwhelmed before yeah. that I wouldn't take it in. Yes. Okay. But like, for example, like, like a, if a survivor person, it resonated with them and they sent me a message before I wouldn't have read that because it was just buried and it was just, and like, I, I can't look at any of this. Yeah. And now I'm seeing it and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you can actually <laughs> take it in. That's nice. Right. But like it's, I, so I'm, I'm finally starting to feel differently about it, which I think in the beginning I was, even in the documentary, like, I think they literally had to kind of try to cut around my words to have me saying something like positive <laughs> about it because <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but I, because <laughs> I was, I was being like, well, I was very much, it's not a big deal kind of. So I think they literally had to try to find something like, uh, baseline like empower or like positive yeah. for me to say to the point i look at it i'm like did i say that like doesn't sound like me but i know it's because most of what i was saying was very like ah no big deal like right. this isn't like i don't know and i still kind of talk like that but um i think now i'm more like i don't know i feel less of an imposter about it and more like oh this this is the kind of person i am i just hope that as i continue in my career, people will more so be like, oh, that's one example of how Kelly is who she is. Not, not like the whole the thing. Yes. Her, yes. This is her impact. Yeah. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. Oh. Just, sorry, you felt like you had a tick or something. <laughs> well, I didn't <laughs> have my, one. <laughs> that was my dog. That was a dog. That was my dog. She's sitting in my lap and I felt like a lump on her ear. You can cut that out, you know, but that's the truth. That's, that's the truth. That's the raw truth. We've done uh, plenty of time, and your roommate's coming home any minute. And uh, um, yeah. what oh, do you want them just, to... It's just matted hair. Okay, good. <laughs> Folks, it's just matted hair. It wasn't a tick. Um, Ticks yeah. are gross. My yeah. dog had them, too. I had one last summer. Oh, I'm scared of, like, pulling it off wrong, too. It's a whole thing. The legs stay in there? Yeah. But gross yeah we didn't mean to go on that tick tangent the show is <laughs> called rape victims are horny too <laughs> and you can probably buy tickets if it's not sold out and what kelly bachman what's your you instagram you're uh, pretty big on it you're doing I'm instagram on instagram at kelly bachman i'm on twitter at belly cockman uh, no i love it verse of kelly bachman and that's because i originally made that as just like I just kind of got a Twitter so I could read tweets. So it was sort of like a low key. Right. Like, this isn't really anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Belly Cockman is so <laughs> But I never changed so it. So I hope people can find me. That's hilarious. It's a spoonerism. Yeah. Belly Cockman. Yeah. It's also something that people were mean to me in high school used to call me. Reclaimed that. Reclaim it. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a funny thing on Twitter. Now, now Billy Cockman's got what a hundred thousand? How many crazy? Th you got well, so I'm many. Well, I'm down to like seventy thousand now, or something. Eighty thousand. There was you, a time yeah. when I finally I started tweeting in quarantine. Like I didn't tweet for like for a few months after I got all these. I I, I think I originally got ninety or ninety five thousand <laughs> followers from this one thing. Crazy. And I didn't tweet after that because I was like, what? I, there's no way I can live up to this. Right. And then quarantined it. I was like, I guess I'll start tweeting. And since then, I've steadily lost, like, I would say, um, a thousand followers a month. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens but if you... But it's just, like, yeah, people... I'm just saying... I'm just telling myself it's just people being like, wait, who is this? Exactly. And then they unfollow, which of is course. fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's, like, not like I did anything uh, bad. 
No. Right? <laughs> you didn't do but anything I, bad. You, I, the thing is, I'm not being... It's hard. I can't replicate... If people are following you because you're brave, you can't, like, replicate that. Well, yeah. You maybe, I would have to, like, really go through an effort to be, like, going around... Going around calling people out and, like, yeah. going up to random shows and, like... Right, you can't do I the, can't really make that my, like, brand or, you like, You can't do that trick again where you yell at Harvey like, Weinstein oh, again. I can, like, go visit him in prison and be like, <laughs> hey, I just want to say... Hey, you old fuck. Hey, someone doesn't even have a phone, like... <laughs> <laughs> so I get his, like, camera. But you see something pretty epic if you take your phone out. <laughs> this is me, like, visiting him on his deathbed, you like... He's like, you came here, you know? <laughs> I, I know I came <laughs> well, here. I just got to start going after. Who else is like awaiting trial? <laughs> Cos- wait, no, Cosby's, Cosby's convicted. Cosby's in jail. Um, um, there's others. I think he might have other states. He might. Is Kevin Spacey awaiting trial? I don't think so. No, he's about to like have a comeback. Think, I don't think he got convicted of anything. Or like, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, what about, uh, like, what's his name? Um... Uh, who's the one who like was playing rapist on TV and now he's accused? Crystalia. Isn't he? Is he awaiting trial? Uh, I think there was no charges. Okay. Okay. No charges. I know. Okay. I are. guess that's the common theme. Um. So no I have to wait until someone seems like. And then you go. They're probably gonna be in jail. And then, um. But it has to be spontaneous. You know. <laughs> So you have to just be, be around a lot. You have to be I out. just have to be around yeah. uh, in New York and L.A. a lot. <laughs> and Going up, inviting him to the shows. Please come to the show. Please come to the show. <laughs> Guys, it, for the record, actually, you know what was strange at that time? I People would ask me to do podcasts, and I wouldn't realize that like I was going on the podcast of somebody that was like anti Oh, me wow. or like which because yeah. I, I didn't really i thought i had done something so uncontroversial that it was like yeah, i know be strange for someone to be like we came here to get your point of view get your side of the story to offer you a chance that kind of uh all red flag but sentences I, but yeah. it was because like i'm like what and it, it was because i realized there were people that were like uh i guess entertaining this idea that this was somehow like coordinated or like planned or oh, that yeah, i like stunt. ambushed this man and that it was actually an open mic and he was having dinner, like all these things that. Right. And I was like, oh no, it was like a private event. It was a networking event for, like, there was supposed to be industry. He was there for, like, he was as a producer. Invited as industry. He had, a, he was invited. He had his own table. Like, it's like truly everything about it was like a private event that was, I was supposed to be there to, like, Ugh. network. So I was angry at the producer. Blah, blah. But I literally would explain this. I'm like, wait, why am I. Because <laughs> I, I had. I wasn't even reading tweets enough to know that like people were like coming out against people you. were like you don't when you're when there's that much stuff happening you can't really read the hate and would you stay and argue with them or would you continue would I you would the whole just hour? usually say my case case and then they'd be like huh you actually are pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like thanks I'm glad I won you over you're one of the good ones guy but I realize now when I have like a friend who's like going viral or is famous or something and i'm defending them on twitter i realize i probably shouldn't do that because i'm literally just calling to attention the thing that they probably otherwise don't know about like because that's what would happen at that time like i literally wouldn't 
hear about anything negative unless someone told me. Unless so someone was responding to because it would be like negativity. I heard the three hour podcast going off about how you're like a lying opportunist, <laughs> and I'd be like, what podcast? <laughs> and so yeah, now you wouldn't even have heard about it if someone wasn't defending you to it. So it's yeah. almost like they're bringing it to your attention. And I and I've caught garbage. myself doing that with like a friend that became <laughs> famous, where I'm like, there's like some barely known comic yeah. like going after her. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm like tagging her. <laughs> she didn't do anything. You don't have to. Yeah. I'm you like, don't have wait to. a second. She literally would never see yeah. it. <laughs> you're, you're doing the damage. Yeah. Um, all right, Kelly. Thank you so much for doing this. Oh, of course. Kelly Hockman. Kelly Hockman on Instagram. The show. Anything else going on? Uh, Dylan and I are also starting a podcast called Q Music. Fuck um, yes. It's going to be everywhere you can find podcasts i think we're launching in a few weeks so that sounds awesome we'll have to have you on sometime cue music yeah thanks well yeah of course that's how podcasts work is their quid pro quo <laughs> <laughs> so good okay i'll see you then we'll get a date right. hammered out sounds thanks good. that was kelly bachman at kelly bachman on instagram at belly cockman on twitter belly cockman like a spoonerism of her own name and uh, obviously check out Rape Victims Are Horny 2, which is a great show. It's going to be at, I think, Caveat and one other place. But look at Kelly's socials for those dates and whatnot. And thanks for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Share it with somebody who you enjoy the same podcast as. All that jazz. Um, thank you to Rudy Schultz for doing the logo to this podcast. Rudy Schultz is a graphic designer, and he could do something similar. For you, Steve Gerard did the theme song. Steve Gerard, he has a band called Crown Blue Music, and he also does stuff on his own. Check out Steve Gerard. Um, thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Goodbye.